Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 186 of The Yacking Show. This is a show where we interview interesting guests, and we hope to enlighten you, enable you, and entertain you as well, so that we can open your minds to new perspectives and help you survive in the changing world we seem to be living in right at the moment. As always, we do have interesting guests. Today's guest is no exception. Really looking forward to hearing this person, but not my job to introduce him. I don't want to steal Kathleen's thunder. So first, let's welcome Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that. And thank you also very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. We'd love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Phil Johnson. Phil, welcome to the show. How are you today? Uh, thanks, Kathleen. I'm great. And Peter, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, thank thank you. you. Good to have you. Yes. Now, Phil, you are the founder of the founder of the Master of Business Leadership Program. And for the past 21 years, uh, you've been an executive coach helping executives and organizations bet on themselves by developing their emotional intelligence. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, for our audience, can you give us a little bit about your background and what led you to embark on this particular career path yeah thanks uh, thanks Kathleen I um so I've been an executive coach for the last 21 years working with executives and organizations all over the world um, and it's a journey I've been on for actually the last 54 years I'm 68 but I uh, I started this journey early on with a short uh, 20 year stint in the uh, in the semiconductor industry and I left I left that industry as a corporate executive to uh, to follow my passion, which is uh, what I've been doing for the last 21 years. So I uh, I help um, I help executives and organizations to bet on themselves by developing their emotional intelligence um, and inspiration and inspirational leadership, and the uh, the Master of Business Leadership program uh, does that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay, so quite a quite a switch from semiconductors, where and you must have got in at the early stages of that industry. I I, I, Peter, I did. I uh, started out as a field sales engineer with Fairchild Semiconductor in 1979. Right, right. and uh, a lot of the matter of fact, all of the uh, North American semiconductor companies uh, have sprang out of Fairchild. Um, they uh, they, they were called fair children. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence. This is your speciality that, as you just said, you've been working on for 21 years now. So for, for our audience, I think I have a vague idea. Many people don't. How do you define emotional intelligence, Phil? A very simple explanation on a very complex topic is it's simply the ability to feel the fear and anxiety uh, that gets generated in us when we move outside of our comfort zone and be able to move through it towards the vision of our desired results as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to keep us trapped in our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So the development of emotional intelligence enables us to, to feel 
the fear and anxiety that automatically gets generated in us as part of our biology. Um, but acknowledge it and move through it so that it doesn't it doesn't control us. Right. Okay. Okay. Is that what some people would call grit or, or not really? Sure. Uh, grit um, comes from having uh, an emotional connection to a desired result that's stronger than the fear that gets generated when they leave their comfort zone in pursuit of that result. Mm -hmm. That's what you call being gritty. Yes, yes, yes. And I, <clears throat> okay, interesting. Kathleen's got something she wants to ask you, I think. <laughs> Why is it especially important now? Can anyone develop their emotional intelligence? Yeah, yeah, great question, Kathleen. Um, and the answer is yes. Um, anybody can develop their emotional intelligence and improve upon their emotional intelligence. And that's different from intellectual intelligence, which is largely fixed and it's genetic. So mm -hmm. if you have 160 IQ, your parents had a high IQ, their parents had a high IQ. Um, so you can, you inherited those genes. But emotional intelligence is not an intellectual process. It's an experiential process, meaning that you can't, you cannot develop emotional intelligence by reading a book or having mm -hmm. a conversation or watching a video. It's, it's what you do. Um, and it's, it's hard as hell. It's very, it's very difficult. There's, we have significant both biological and sociological built in resistance to change. Um, but for those people that are that are willing to do the emotional labor uh, that the development of their emotional intelligence requires, the results are remarkable. So is it a resistance to change or is it a fear of the unknown? And is it, uh, is it that that we're trying to overcome when we're trying to develop our emotional intelligence is really overcoming fear? Um. Yes, and more. Let me let me just explain briefly the three primary sources of resistance we have to change. Sure. Uh, whenever we leave our comfort zone, whenever we step outside of our comfort zone, there's a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala that for the last 500 million years has been trying to keep us safe by making sure we never leave the comfort of our cave. So if we do it automatically secretes a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol, which causes the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Mm -hmm. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, sometimes people die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die, we burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel that fear and anxiety and move through it towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to keep us trapped in our comfort zone. The second source of resistance, also biological, is our existing habits. 
Once we develop a habit, it's there forever. Uh, it's a neural network pathway we've created in our brain um, based on our actions. And we can create new habits at any age um, that may be better than our old habits, but those new habits are going to be weaker than our than our old habits. There's a there's an insulation layer called myelin that goes around the neural network pathway that's thicker when we're younger than when we're older. Um, so there's going to be an, an ongoing internal battle between our old habits and new habits for control, for dominance. So that's another source of resistance. The, the second, the third source is sociological, meaning the people around us don't want us to change. Mm -hmm. Because if we change and start to get better results, maybe they're going to have to change. And that scares the hell out of them. The best way to ensure they don't have to change is to make sure we fail. So they can say, look, I told you so now. Keep your head down and come back into the herd with the rest of us. Um, so there's, we do not like change both on a biological and a sociological basis. And the reason we need to be developing our emotional intelligence to handle the fear and anxiety uh, that always accompanies change is we're facing a tsunami of change. It's estimated in this century, some, some scientists have estimated that we could experience the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change in this century never happened before so change is increasing at an exponential rate and we've got this 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change so we 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 need to be developing our emotional intelligence to be able to deal with the fear and anxiety that's going to create in us and hopefully reduce the drama chaos and conflict that occurs as a result. Right. So I just have another one here, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Peter. Keep um, going. Without giving the secret sauce of the Master of Business Leadership Program and, and delving into it in fine detail, but can, can you give us some highlights or some tips that our viewers right now watching can maybe implement immediately sure. to try sure. and... Oh, wonderful. Sure. Um. <clears throat> Let me back up for a second before I'll give you a couple of tips and I'll give you an example of a company that's currently doing over $1 trillion a year in revenue. Wow. Whose primary hiring focus is in the search for people with above average levels of, of emotional intelligence. So we're only conscious about three to 5% of the time. The rest of the time we're relying on our unconscious habits to determine our behavior and our results. So when we're born, we're not born with a conscious mind. Our consciousness doesn't begin to surface until we're about a year or so old. But we are born with an unconscious mind and we immediately start wiring up our brain, creating, creating those neural network pathways to become our habits that we need to survive, to get food, to fit in, those kinds of things. And a lot of those habits unconsciously cause us to give away our energy. And we do it in a myriad of ways, how we communicate, listen, take responsibility, make decisions, all sorts of ways. But when we give away our energy, it creates an energy deficit in us. 
So at the same time we're giving away our energy over here, we need to be replacing that energy by trying to steal energy from other people over here. And that dynamic is going on inside of everybody, everywhere in the world, all the time. And that is the root cause of all drama, chaos, and conflict, war, everywhere in the world. So what I do in the Master of Business Leadership program is I show people how they're unconsciously giving away their energy. And I give them better habits to practice to stop doing that. And when they stop giving away their energy, their need to steal the energy of other people goes away because they don't need it. Mm -hmm. And it's in that process that they develop their emotional intelligence. They become more conscious of what's going on in them and around them. And they become more inspirational leaders. Does that make any sense? Absolutely fascinating. I want to know more. (laughs) I want to know more. So there's an underlying energy. What I've just described to you, I know we're had this is a relatively brief conversation and it's it's an introductory conversation. But what I've just described to you is the root cause of all drama, chaos, and conflict everywhere in everybody. And the development of our emotional intelligence is the solution to all drama, chaos, and conflict everywhere in the world. And there's an underlying energy physics to all of this that makes the results as predictable and quantifiable as any physical science. What I mean very simply is the development of your emotional intelligence guarantees, and I want to underline, guarantees your career, personal, and corporate success. Guaranteed. But it's harder than hell to do. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a, unless you have an emotional, you know, Peter, you talked about grit. Unless you have a, an emotional connection to a desired result that's stronger than the fear that's going to be generated when you move outside of your comfort zone, you may, you may want better results, but you're not going to be willing to do the emotional labor that getting better results requires. And quite frankly, Most people aren't willing to do the emotional labor Mm -hmm. that getting better results requires. That's why, according to Gallup, (coughs) excuse me, the current level of employee engagement worldwide is about 13%. People using, see, if you're not willing to change yourself, the only other alternative you have is to try and use position-based power of some sort to control and manipulate others to get them to change. Low levels of employee engagement is costing the U.S. economy alone over $1 trillion a year. Ask me another question. Okay, to you, Peter. Right. So you've explained quite well. I was going to explore more the difference between emotional and intellectual intelligence. You've explained that well. So here's one for you that I've had. You can hear from my accent that I'm not a native North American. I spent most of my life in Africa with quite a different life to most people in the Western world experience with some severe adversity and some nasty situations, which by the grace of God, I survived. So my, my theory, and I'm not a scientist and I'm not an academic, but looking around at people who survived worse than I did, uh, including my parents and people who didn't, I, I would postulate that if one can survive a certain level of adversity and come through it, 
one is better placed to survive the next one, which might be totally different, but similar stress levels. Uh, is that got something to do with building emotional intelligence as well, or, or is it totally separate? Peter, it, acts, it absolutely does. You, you've hit the nail right on the head. Um, we need challenges to motivate us to do the emotional labor of leaving our comfort zone in order to get better results. And it's those challenges and how we handle those challenges that either helps us to develop our emotional intelligence and inspirational leadership. It helps us to raise our level of consciousness or it drives us deeper into our comfort zone and we become more resistant, more judgmental, more attached to outcome. So the challenges will drive us in one of two directions. Mm -hmm. We'll either become entrenched, more entrenched in our behavior and beliefs, or it will motivate us to leave our comfort zone and grow. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, very much so. So I, I'm going to add, ask another one similar, that sure. if one accepts some physical challenges and succeeds in overcoming those physical challenges, mm -hmm. does that also enable one to develop one's emotional intelligence as well, even though the initial challenge may have been physical. And I, I'll use my personal example that I, in the in my late 30s, 40s, uh, for various reasons, I started running. I'd never been an athlete at school. And the big prize was to run a marathon. And I think it took me a year and a half and I ran a marathon. And then in South Africa, we had at the time the biggest ultra marathon in the world called the Comrades Marathon. And it was an 85 kilometer, 50 mile and every serious runner, that was his or her aspiration. So, of course, like everyone else, said, I'm going to run the comrade. And it's hard to, to run. I ran nine hours, 20 minutes. It, it's hard. But I've found that all these serious physical challenges I've had subsequent to that, I've thought back to those hills and taking one more step and not giving up. Yeah. So I would believe, in my case, that overcoming that physical challenge and rising to it has helped me with lots of non-physical challenges and physical. Yeah. Again, am I on the right sort of track there? Peter, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And the physical challenges forced you to be more present in each moment. Mm -hmm. It forced you to shut off your mind. It forced you to shut off you 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 were you weren't thinking about the future you weren't thinking about the past no. you were simply focused on the next step you were totally in the present moment yes so, that's what i found right. back to you Kathleen. so we discussed resistance to change but can you tell us what what are two primary sources of motivation for change ah great question god you guys have good questions um, there's only two sources of motivation that will cause us to leave our comfort zone. Um, one is pain. The other one is passion. And hardly anybody's connected with their passion. So for the most part, people that are willing to leave their comfort zone in the pursuit of better results are, are usually motivated by an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting, i.e. pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, they want to generate more revenue, have better relationships in their business or personal life, um, something. Mm. 
Okay, so I think I know the answer to this one. Um, if if one is trying to establish better levels of trust and engagement with other people, the better one's emotional intelligence, the better chance one has of doing that. Yep. Correct? Yeah. Correct. Um, we have these, because we've evolved from tribes, because we've, you know, we essentially live in herds, um, We've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or eat us or hurt us. So we have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex that brain scientists call mirror neurons. You can Google it. Mm -hmm. um, I call them bullshit meters. <laughs> um, so that's why when you walk into a room, you can sense the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. When you're having a conversation with somebody, you can sense whether they're whether they're being real or not, whether they're trying to help you or, or hurt you. Uh, that's those mirror neurons. So that by developing your emotional intelligence, by lowering your walls, by becoming less resistive, judgmental, attached outcome, um, people gravitate towards you because they sense that they can be more of who they truly are around you than they can be around their victim buddies. Okay. That's why people like, that's why people gravitate towards babies and dogs. Yeah. Non-resistance, non, no resistance, judgment or attachment outcome. We don't feel like we're being attacked. So that inspires us to lower our walls in that environment. Similarly, if we feel like we're going into a toxic work environment, we often begin to raise our walls in anticipation of going into work on Monday morning. It's called the Sunday night blues. Yeah. 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 The Sunday okay. night blues. So Friday, we start to lower our walls because we're going into a, a more loving environment. Sunday afternoon, we start to raise our walls in preparation for the toxic environment we're heading into on Monday morning. Interesting. So here's here's a different one, just listening to what you're saying about environments. Some people, can some people advertise or broadcast their level of emotional intelligence non-verbally? Absolutely. Okay. And, so, and, so, and the more emotion, uh, the the more emotionally intelligent you are, the easier it is for you to pick it up in somebody else. Right. Um, and so it's easier for you. You can you can tell whether somebody's their level of emotional intelligence or the level of emotional intelligence um, quite easily. Um, so yeah. So, <laughs> because I've certainly no sorry, Kathy, I've certainly noticed that um, I've been doing a lot of involvement with people I haven't known before in various groups recently, mm -hmm. and a couple of times before someone has said a word, I have felt I wouldn't say repelled. Suspicious is the best term I could use to be kind of that person, and they haven't said a word, but it's something, an aura or whatever that they have given off. So, is that? something to do with emotional intelligence as well. Yep. Okay. It's energy. It's energy physics. Energy physics. Um, right. If you want to go a step further here, I'll give you a little bit more information on that. I don't want to weird out your audience. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but Not at all. 
Go for every, it. <laughs> every cell in your body is vibrating at exactly the same frequency. And that frequency is unique to you. It's who you are. See, we're not living life. We are life. And at some point, our physical body is going to wear out. Mm-hmm. But we we are the energy that animates and lives within that physical body for a period of, you know, 60, 100 years. Um, as a matter of fact, every, sing, every single cell in your body dies and is replaced at least once in every seven-year period. Every organ, every brain cell, heart wow. cell, muscle, bone, everything. Mm-hmm. Yet you remain. Mm-hmm. How can that be? There isn't a single cell in your body right now that was there seven years ago. Not one. How can you remain? The reason is you're not your body. You're the energy. You're the vibrational energy that inhabits your body. So as you learn to lower your walls, as you learn to become less resistive, less judgmental, less attached to outcome by not giving away your energy, you lower your walls and you allow your authentic self to come through. You allow your genius, your creativity, your divinity to surface. Um, And people think of it like you're transmitting your energy everywhere. Everybody's transmitting their energy. And so when you lower your walls, you're able to transmit a, a cleaner signal than when your walls are up. Mm-hmm. And people are better able to see you and trust you when your walls are down. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And that Because I've had this feeling, not being able to put it into words exactly, but you put it into words very well. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So uh, there's we- another thing called the... Uh, there's a little sidebar here, and I'll tell you about that trillion-dollar company. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, because of the accelerating rate of global change, we, we can no longer keep up with the rate of change. So we're relying more and more on our network of trusted advisors. The trust It's something called the trust economy that's growing much faster than the traditional economy. It's currently estimated at over $10 trillion a year. So your network of trusted advisors as an individual or an organization is the greatest asset you have and your ability to demonstrate trustability your ability to gain trust is a direct reflection on your level of emotional intelligence okay so here's that trillion dollar company yeah. apple that's why when you, when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and if possible, offer a solution. They want you to have a great experience. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe you'll go tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. So that energy you feel in that store is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. And if you think about it, it's a very different energy from the stores surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are more and more companies hiring, developing, and promoting 
largely based on emotional intelligence. Apple, Google, Southwest Airlines, JetBlue, Infosys, Whole Foods, FedEx, Costco, and others. So the development of emotional intelligence really represents the future of organizational development. Wow. That is, yeah, it's quite amazing. Quite amazing. You've already touched on this somewhat, Phil, but I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to ask it just so that it's clear for our audience. What are three main challenges to developing emotional intelligence? Our existing habits. Yeah. Ego-based fear. And the desire to be liked by others. Yeah. Let me give you an example of that. <clears throat> this is actually the second master of business leadership habit I, I, I've talked about with clients. It's called authentic listening. The key to authentic listening is not to take anything personally. How somebody feels about you, whether they like you or whether they hate you, has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has to do with what's going on inside of them. Right. But if how you feel about yourself is based on how anybody else feels about you, who's running your life? You or them? So, yeah. If how somebody feels about you is based on, if how you feel about yourself is based on how somebody else feels about you, who's running your life? You or them? Well, they Right. You're unconsciously giving away your energy to them mm-hmm. to determine how you should feel about you. If you like me, I like me. If you don't like me, I don't like me. What I've just, just described is all social media. People <laughs> bend over backwards trying to get likes on social media mm-hmm. so they can like themselves. Yep. Right. So that's an example of how systemic the process of unconsciously giving away our energy and needing to steal the energy of others is baked in. And such is baked into all of our pleasers, right? Yeah. It's baked into our culture. Mm -hmm. It's baked into our, it's baked into our schools. It's baked into our businesses. It's baked into our institutions. It's baked into our government. It's baked in everywhere. Well, let's hope the social credit score doesn't come into play. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's why I spend so little time on Facebook and various other social media platforms. But that's, in, in all seriousness, um, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. We're, it's interesting, as um, I often talk with uh, clients that are going through the MBL program and they're saying this is amazing this is incredible um and i said yeah i know but is there anything i could have said to you in the beginning that could have prepared you for what you know now and the answer is always no no there's because the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process it's not an intellectual process you can only connect the dots after you've taken the leap of faith mm-hmm. so um well there so that- I, I got one that we ask all our successful guests, and you're certainly well into that category. And I, I'm asking you, one of the first guys that I think I know what the answer is going to be with to this question from what you've been saying so far. The, the question that I ask 
successful people and who work with other successful and, and not successful people is, is there one characteristic mindset or habit that sets the successful people business? And I'm talking about balanced life, not just making money, successful in all aspects, apart from the, the average and those who never really get to those levels. Is there one thing um, yep. or is yep. it more than one? So over to you. One thing. <clears throat> it's, it's establishing an emotional connection to a desired result that you want to achieve that's stronger than the fear that gets generated in you when you begin to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that that's the thing that everybody has in common. Yeah. Very interesting. That's yeah. why you left South Africa, Pete. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because you had a you had an emotional connection to a vision of a desired result that was greater than your fear. So you took your suitcase and you moved over to this place you knew nothing about. Yeah. 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 That's right. And uh it it did it helped me through some other tough decisions along the way as well. But anyway, yep. that's yep. Uh, this is not about me. This is about you. So <laughs> Phil, that that's absolutely fascinating. So I'm certainly going to sign up for your uh, your daily ideas on this one. So we'll follow those links. So we're out of time. Back to you, yes. Kathleen. Yes, we are almost out of time. Phil, can you tell our audience how they can contact you? Yeah, I've um, I've said I've, I've given you some links mm-hmm. to my uh, my Zoom calendar. And uh, my uh, emotional intelligence newsletter on LinkedIn, uh, which I publish on daily and it's free. Um, but I'd be happy to, uh, if anybody would like to, uh, to chat about emotional intelligence, uh, they could jump on my calendar and I'd be happy to meet with them. Oh, wonderful. And for our audio listeners, that will be in the description. You can pick that link up there. Thank you, well, Phil. Phil, I hope to have you back because there's yeah. so much ah. more to discuss here. I, I really do hope you'll uh, join us again sometime. Oh, thanks, Kathleen. And, and thank you both for the work you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank all of you for tuning into our show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.